Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate have an entire platform built on who do these women think they are. And it's all because we've decided enough is enough. Yes, enough is enough now. And I'm happy that we're having this conversation today to normalize those stuff. And the more we talk about it, the more it's going to be out there. Life is a series of small decisions and small moments in time. So if you can do one thing a day that you know, like, this is what I did today to get myself out of a bad situation, maybe it's confiding. Hi, everyone. This is Neha, and you're listening to the Bold Enough podcast. Join me in this authentic journey, engaging in uncomfortable but real conversations with wonderful guests. If you want to listen to real people who are winning in their own way and not as society told them to, then this podcast is for you. The Bold Enough podcast is produced by Leova Digital, hosted by Neha Ganu. Hey everyone, I hope everyone is doing great today. I have a brand new episode for you today with a very interesting conversation, I would say. And today, as my guest, I have Natalie with me. Hello, Natalie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing great as well. So, Natalie, before we start, could you tell us a bit about you? What do you do? And why are you here with us today? Sure. My name is Natalie Katona. I am the host and producer of the weekly podcast to all the men I've tolerated before. My show is a weekly look at everyday misogyny and how me and my peers go about dealing with living in a world that experiences such high volumes of everyday misogyny and what that means for our quality of life. So I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to talk about today and kind of see how I got into the position where I dedicated my life to calling out men and the way that they've been conditioned to treat us. Yes, I actually love that. And I think it was your podcast name that intrigued me. So then I, <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I have to know the story behind to all the men that I've tolerated before. Tell us, why did you choose this name actually for the podcast? So it started out as a joke. There was a movie coming out on Netflix and it was based on this like young adult series of books and it was called To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And on the cover, this beautiful girl was like writing letters to these boys that she had crushes on or something that she was never going to send. And I was like, oh, well, if I was starring in that movie or in that book, my book would be called To All the Men I've Tolerated Before. And it would probably just be an entire letter of all of the ways they could have done better. And then I probably would send them just so they could learn a thing or two. And people would laugh. And then one day I was at a bar doing that bit. And a friend who is a local consultant uh, for some of the businesses in town, he told me, he was like, you need to do something with that title. He goes, we're in the height of Me Too. Women are reevaluating their expectations on relationships and the workplace and everything every day. Why would you take this concept and not run with it? And I was working at the time and I was working theater. So you end up working a lot of weekends and nights. 
And I was like, because I don't have time to be a woman who helps women have better expectations for their lives. And then the pandemic happened and theaters around the world were laying off employees and I was one of them. And it gave me the time to create to all the men I've tolerated before. I love it. I love that you started this as well. It's actually very interesting and brave that you're sharing this and your friends as well on the show. So why do you think that we women, we've been tolerating the men before? Of course, it's changing now. Women, um, I don't know, in the 90s and now women, how we are today, it's very different. We don't do that anymore. So according to you, like your thoughts, why do you think that we have been tolerating those behaviors before? I feel like sometimes it was just unconscious. We did not even realize that we were doing it. 100%. So I think when I answer this question, I mean, we could take it back to the beginning of time, eons ago, where we have all of this evidence that women were spiritual leaders and political leaders in their communities and groups and societies. And then when colonization happened, all of those systems were replaced by white, male-centered, Christian-centered things. It's a giant book. It's like six thousand pages long. That's a horrible exaggeration. And I read little bits of it at a time. And it's called The Great Mother or The Great Mother of Earth or something like that. Now I'm butchering a title. But I think when I answer this question, I like to think of our grandmothers and just to a realm of time that people can understand to where our grandmothers were living in a time where women weren't allowed to own credit to run lines of credit or be on mortgages or honestly be a anything in their home besides a mother. And if they were working, it was under extreme conditions because their family needed them to work. And being single was maybe one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. Fortunately, I was raised by women who were raised by my grandmother, who was a very strong woman. She was widowed early on in my mother's life, and she never looked back. And she went, well, why would I get another one? Look, it didn't serve me thus far. And so I grew up with this idea of you really can do it all on your own. But I know so many people where that's not the case. When I think about our body image, for example, when women start to develop their bodies and become mature women with breasts, curves, hips, our mothers tend to become fearful of that because they remember all of the ways that they were treated or harassed or anything when they were out in the workforce or whatever. So we immediately hear things like cover up, make sure you're always in a bra. Why do you look like that? Keep yourself looking nice too, because you don't want to look so nice that people are drawing attention, but you also don't want to look so sloppy that that reflects poorly on us. And when I look back at instances like that with my own mother or my own grandmother, I go, well, yeah, they were living 
under a certain set of rules that started to change right around the time I was becoming an adult. So of course they're fearful of my quote unquote budding sexuality. Or of course they don't understand why women are screaming so hard for body autonomy, for equality in the workplace, for equal pay. They lived in a world where their mothers couldn't own a credit card. And if they were widowed or unmarried or anything, it literally threw your entire life into a crisis because you relied on men for so much just because of the structures that are in place. So I think we're still living in a world where in the back of our mind, we think of, well, if I'm single, that immediately means that I'm at a, in the negative. I am already like put down about all of these things that I could be doing in my life because I don't have the power of a man helping me along in our societies. I can relate to almost everything that you just shared the body image, how my mother, you know, even my father. Yeah. They were <laughs> they were very fearful when I started being a teenager, the kind of dress that I wore. And you know, when you're a teenager, you don't really understand what they are talking about. The way I saw my, you know, even my relatives, my mom and how they were, I thought that this was the way to be. It's only when when you grew up and you have experiences and you actually realize that no being single being unmarried is not a bad thing it has nothing to do with my worth or anything else right yeah of course and you'd be surprised that even if we are in 2022 there are still some people who regard this as like you say in the negative and I've had a lot of people just ask me, why are you not married yet? Why are you still single? And uh, they ask that in a way that they're trying to figure out what is the problem with her. <laughs> right. And then there's the whole flip side of that. I remember when I was dating and I would be on the verge of breaking up with a boy and I would get so much pushback like, well, you know, He's been kind of nice thus far, and I think he's trying very hard, and maybe you could calm down a little bit on your expectations. And I would say, I go, I don't feel emotionally safe in my relationship. Like, I, like sure, he bought me dinner a handful of times, this, that, and the other, but emotionally and mentally, I know that I'm not well here. And, well, you know, sometimes you just, you really have to change your way of thinking to fit that relationship. And I would just love to know how many teenage boys or young men are sitting in their home being told like, well, maybe if you just changed your mind about a thing or two, you would like her more. So true. And uh, I'll be honest, I've done that also in my post relationship, you know. To change myself, change the way I am, change my thoughts just to fit in with the men that have been before. And it was exhausting, actually. But I feel like it was just the kind of environment, the way society was. 
and you didn't just understand that like we were tolerating those behaviors we didn't feel like we were tolerating that it was like this is what we need to do as a woman the way i have seen things because in my family or even with my friends i've seen them doing that and then you just kind of unconsciously feel like this is what you should be doing as well i have friends who i am very lucky are very honest with me about their marriages and their partners and what ends up happening is they'll tell me something and I'll say something along the lines of, I refuse to be undervalued in my home. I refuse to come home to a de- to a location every day that I call my home knowing that I am not valued and there is a lack of respect in my home for my job, who I am personally, the other relationships in my life. I currently live alone with my cat, but no one is allowed to talk to me that way in my home whether or not I have a partner. And I hear all the time, like, well, you don't understand. Like, I know to you, it sounds like he's mediocre or he's being harmful or he's mean, but you just don't understand how comparatively he's one of the good ones. And I go, you have to stop using the word good. You have to say we've been trained to accept mediocrity in our marriages. I love the fact that we are starting to use the word partner more when it comes to our romantic relationships, because I am hoping it rewrites the code in our brain that these people should be our partner and be adding some sort of aid and value to our lives that isn't paid or isn't linked to the fact that men statistically make more money. When I talk to friends about their marriages and they say things like, it doesn't pay to be a single mom. I'm going to fight for the rest of my life for him to feel like he owes me money and have him resent me and all of that. Like where I've been out of the workforce for five to seven years because I raised our kids up until they were able to go to school. So it's my resume that has a gap. It's my skill set that has the five-year gap. I'm five years behind of everyone else. That's my reality. So at this point, sure, it's all good and fine to say, well, I want to be valued, so I will leave this relationship and either value myself or find someone who will value me. But financially and realistically, it's not always that plausible agreed yeah i live with my cat and dog as well and i i want to share a funny thing that i read the other time you might think that you need a partner but all you need is a cat i just wanted to share that (laughs) well and isn't that the truth who keeps us in check better than our cats like our cats are like um ma'am it is time to hydrate ourselves and feed ourselves (laughs) ma'am it's time to go to bed. Like they just naturally boss us around and make us care for ourselves. And then dogs, the way that dogs love unconditionally, I wish that my cat would allow me to have one because give me anything that's going to love me like a dog loves a person. Yeah, exactly. There is no one who would love me like my dog. Like seriously. (laughs) I got (laughs) Natalie. So 
is it uh, safe to assume that before the podcast and everything, you were tolerating men, their bad behavior in your previous, your past relationships? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and <laughs> so how did you come to a point where you say no? It's a funny thing about taking your relationships and trying to make them comedy. And then what you end up doing is learning wild things about yourself. I've been in therapy for several years, so I understood that I am in recovery for codependency. There are certain things that happened in my youth and my childhood and the certain ways that I was talked to and conditioned to where I only ever saw value in myself based on my relationships with other people. So when you only value yourself as a partner or mirror or relationship to someone else, you do anything and everything you can to be the person who is doing the right thing in the relationship, which means that when I would be doing everything correctly and the relationship would still go south, it would just be this mental spiral of, well, I don't understand. I was everything he wanted. I made sure that all of the dates were planned based on his schedule, on his time, and when he wanted to see me. I made sure that I never talked about anything that would make us too uncomfortable or him dart or run away from this relationship. I just don't understand. And what I kind of had to learn about dating and honestly, even family relationships is you have very little control over how the other person in the relationship actually feels about you. You can be doing everything and anything that they've written down on a piece of paper that they've wanted in a perfect daughter, spouse, girlfriend, sister, any of it. And at the end of the day, one small thing could shift in their brain and suddenly you're not the person that they thought you were. And it has nothing to do with you because it's all this inner dialogue that they're creating. So I would allow guys to blow me off. I would allow guys to tell me things like, well, you're acting like you're important to me or you're acting like one day I'm going to marry you or no, I don't want you going here with me. Who are you to even be doing that? And I would just endure it. I would have men who would ask me over like I was going to be on a date and then I would just really be babysitting them through their errands. And then when we would get home from the bank, the grocery store and anywhere else I was driving them to that day, they'd be like, okay, babe, see you tomorrow. And I'd be like, wait, hold on. I was promised a date. I was promised like when I think of date, I think movie, dinner, maybe you're taking me to the zoo. I wasn't expecting to like watch you check your savings account at the bank. And then they're enraged because, oh, you don't value the time that I spent with you. I spent all day with you to make sure that you felt like you were given attention. So then I could watch the basketball game with my bros or whatever. And it's just this whole idea that whatever they wanted and whoever you were in the moment was the most important and was 100% the correct way to be thinking or the correct way to be doing something. Yeah. Again, I can relate to a lot of what you said, how you were feeling in the moment as well. I, I think I have been through the same 
things as well. And I think for me, it was, like I said, in the environment that I was and seeing all my friends tolerating. Of course, at that point, I didn't know I was tolerating. I felt like it's what I should be doing and uh, what women should be doing because around me, I see everyone doing the same thing, actually. And I felt like, okay, this is a normal way how a relationship should work, actually. But now, looking back, I do know now that those were not healthy relationships. And I wish, like I was telling you, I think the first time we talked, that I wish that people would come and say and told us that we're allowed to say no. But I'm glad things are changing. Like more women are saying no now. And honestly, at this point, I only want to take advice about relationships from women who are in their second marriage because it's like that post-divorce glow up that women have when they're like, oh, I can start making decisions for myself again and remembering like which way I like my eggs or what toppings I like on pizzas. It's so hard to not think that you're dating correctly when it's so ingrained in our system for women to take the back seat in their own lives. Think of our mothers and the way that we parent in our societies. Mothers are continuously asked to put their health aside, put their rest aside, put their emotions, their feelings, their stress levels aside to clean the house, run the household, make sure all of the bills are paid, make sure children are healthy, and all of that. And we grew up watching that. I know the physical moment my mother used to take a back seat in her marriage to my father. It's now something that I have also adapted when I'm talking about something that is vulnerable. We make this tick in the back of our throat, like we're almost going to say something, but then instead chose to choke on our own words because we know it's safer to be silent. And when I look at the way that we're raised and what we're witnessing in our households when we are young children, it's things like that that we don't understand in the moment. We just think mom has like a weird speech impediment. Honestly, I used to think that she only made that sound when she was angry at us or my father or anything. And then when I started to do it and my therapist called me out on it, I was like, oh, I go, my mom, my grandmother, maybe my aunt, I need to pay attention. I'm not sure if my sister does it. We do that when we're like choking our feelings back because we know it's going to collectively make the room uncomfortable. And we're not allowed to do that. We have to think of the comfort of others way before we have to think about whatever we're feeling. Yes, I agree. Because I've seen also my aunt, my mother, my grandmother, my relatives, how they were doing everything. Like you said, they had to put others' needs in front of their own. So I grew up seeing that also, which of course, I felt that it was a normal thing to do, which was untrue, actually. And I think that it's also the movies and the TV shows that I was watching when, I don't know, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. And of course, now movies and TV shows, they are different. 
they're all about women empowerment and women character. But before that, we didn't have that. Most of the TV shows, whatever movies that I was watching, it was the damsel in distress. And then he has to lean on to the prince charming and everything. She has to leave everything behind. Those kind of movies and TV shows. What do you think about this? Do you feel like those are the things also that might have affected the way women have grown up, girls are growing up? Oh, we love to look at women and female representation onto all the men I've tolerated before. And we have a couple of episodes about it and Instagram lives and YouTube videos about media and how we're portrayed in media. And I couldn't help but think of romantic comedies where women immediately had to be clownish and clumsy. You would take this very accomplished, artistic, powerful in her career woman and be like, but don't worry, guys, she's real relatable. You can still feel superior to her. She falls down a lot and it's just a big joke and she can't even hold anything in her hands and she's so quirky and weird and awkward and it's like our media constantly like fed us like sure go after your career feel successful feel talented but always make sure that when you're trying to find a romantic relationship you dole that out a little bit and you make yourself relatable enough to where they still feel like you're attainable i think that was the messaging i got from every romantic comedy and then when you look at teenage media media that's romantic comedies for the youth it's well can you change yourself a little bit to make the boy like you can you come up with some like wild scheme so he understands like oh i took off my glasses and shook out my hair a little bit i'm a whole new woman please take me to prom oh my god i so agree with that i'm actually i don't remember the the movie but yeah it's like the movies where you know the girl has to wear makeup have a new haircut different clothes like say she has to change herself and then the guy is going to notice her and they're going to live happily ever after i feel like uh, this is what i have been watching growing up as well as a teenager and i have behaved like that like we see in the TV shows and the movies, like they're saying, if you're, if you just stay who you are at the moment, no one's going to look at you. You're not even going to have a boyfriend or anything. So you have to change yourself. You have to have a makeover. And we, as a teenager, we are going to fall for that and eventually change ourselves. But we don't feel good inside. So yeah, I feel like the media and everything, the movies had a great impact on that. So I'm happy that things are changing now. I see a lot of new movies on Netflix and everything where see those type of stuff. We see less and less now. Mm -hmm. And I think what ended up happening is that the media that we were fed coupled with the society that we were already living in created this imbalance of effort in our relationships to where I will swipe on dating apps or go on dates with people who I've either been set up with or I found on a dating app or whatever. And I have to put on like the entire Broadway show to be like, pick me. I'm wonderful. Like, look how charming I am. 
Meanwhile, they can't even express to me like their hobbies or who what their friends are like or anything or let alone plan something for us to do. And I'm so tired of going on boring dates. I'm so tired of being bored by their lack of effort because they know that we will put on the show to make sure that the date goes well. Yeah, exactly. That is so true, actually. And let's talk a bit about how being single is regarded as negative or being unmarried, living in your house with your cat, which is actually the most peaceful thing that I've ever done. But let's talk about that. Even the media, even the society have regarded this unmarried or single life so negative and women who've been living that way even though they were very happy in their life people regarded them differently and like i said before even if you're in 2022 i still get those kind of comments of course it doesn't affect me because i don't care but you see that there are still people who can't accept the fact that a woman is allowed she can be on her own and she can be happy on her own actually i think one of the kind of almost cute ways that this manifests in our families is that our families are almost continuously worried about us. I have a lot of older women in my family who, when I make the six-hour road trip to go see my mom's side of the family, they're flabbergasted. They're like, you made that drive all by yourself? I can't even imagine that. Like, look at that. I'm just so glad that you made it here safely. And it's just this like, concern that they don't know is veiled in misogyny because they're like, what does Natalie even do every day, all day long by herself? How does she pay taxes? How does she figure that out? And I laugh at it now and I realize that it's coming from a place of love, but it's also very exhausting to just continuously (laughs) convince people that you are in fact okay and living a very valid and thriving lifestyle. You were asking me about Halloween since it was this past weekend, and I dressed up as a sea hag. I was a sea witch. I made my own hat for it, and I gave myself scary makeup, and I dressed like an old lady who would live by the sea. And I have been calling this year the year that I finally embraced my spinster prone lifestyle. And women, I'm only going to be 34 this December. And women push back on me all the time. They're like, Natalie, you cannot call yourself a hag and a crone. What will people think about you? And I'm like, they'll probably think exactly what I want them to think, which is I have no reason, no use or no bother for a male centered relationship in my life, because that's what we know about spinsters and crones and hags. They're people who lived in the woods or in caves with their animal friends and people whispered about them in villages and were like, what is she even doing? Oh my goodness, she must be in works with the devil because she doesn't even have a man at her side telling her what to do every day. So they had to create some fantasy to where like an evil man was telling us what we were doing every day. And I was like, no, I'm in my crone years. I have stopped caring. 
I have stopped making sure that my eyeshadow and my mascara is on if I have to run into the grocery store to buy one carton of milk and people might view me for 15 minutes. I've completely released myself from that. And I get a lot of pushback from the people in my lives to be like, I just don't know. Um, I just, I don't know if you should be calling yourself that. It has such a negative connotation. I go, well, for me, it holds a lot of power. I'd love to see that costume. <laughs> I think it's a pretty cool one. It reminds me what you were saying about the created the fantasy about the old uh, woman, but the happy woman who lives by the woods. It reminds me of the witch, the witches, the strong. We've always been told that the witches were the very bad women who live on their own and they were doing every stuff. So the witches were burned and everything. But I feel like the witches were actually the powerful women who decided that to follow the rules of the society, the villagers, and they did their things on their own. And the society did not agree to that, so they burned the witches. My favorite movie is Practical Magic with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. It's a movie from the 90s. And it is about a family of witches who are currently living out a curse that happened during the Salem witch trials. And uh, but they live in modern day 90s USA. And the what fascinates me about practical magic is, number one, how much I took of my own spirituality and like meditation practices and everything from practical magic but also how the other people in their small seaside town react to women who really won't tell you that they're not witches, but also won't confirm to you that they are witches. And at first, you're watching an entire movie of them being isolated from the town and not picked for parent-teacher night or the phone tree or all of these silly things that women are told to hold value for and all of these hierarchy places in the world in normal motherhood. And then at the end of the movie, through a dangerous situation, the women in the town have to be invited over and add their feminine power to the ritual that's happening to save Nicole Kidman. And all of those women who have scoffed who have isolated these women, who have gossiped and all of it, they're so excited to be invited into the magic too. And I feel that way sometimes as a single woman talking to women who are partnered and may not be partnered, maybe not in the worst violent situations, but certainly not in the like utopian, like I'm valued, I'm loved, I'm respected, and I'm living the exact life that I want to be. These women who kind of just are in the middle where it can go either way. We're either having a really great marriage day or relationship day, or we've thought that we've made the worst choice of our life. These women become fascinated by my singledom. And they'll tell me things like, I'm just so jealous that you decided to take an hour trip because you like one restaurant that you found on a road trip and you can just do that because you don't have a husband who doesn't like that restaurant 
or children who need to be picked up from school or whatever, at three o'clock in the afternoon, you can just pick up and go because you decided to pick up and go. And it's this like wild fascination, like, oh my goodness, women do just live like that. They just live in a world that's unbothered from these tethers to what we've decided heteronormative relationship should be. I haven't seen that movie, but I just bookmark it because it looks like a great movie. I'm going to have to watch that movie. <laughs> We just did a YouTube video about it, and I, this was the first year that I committed to it actually being my favorite movie. I'm one of those terrible people who's like, I can't play favorites when it comes to anything. And this year I was like, no, it's practical magic. I literally <laughs> based my entire adulthood on wanting to live out practical magic. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch that and then I'll give you like a little review of what I thought about it. Oh, please do. I love it so much. And um, I just remembered a quote. Well, not really a quote. I saw that on Instagram, actually. It's a, an account that I followed about women empowerment and patriarchy. So, the, so she said that, if I can just remember it well, a society who celebrates women who are married and have kids, but equally shames women who don't want any of those things, like they're happy being single and everything, is not a society celebrating women, but it's a society conditioning women. Yes, isn't that the truth? Because... I would couple that with a study, I believe it was a TikTok. I'm trying to be like a scientific study. It was a TikTok that my friend found right before we were going to do an episode about the idea of couple privilege, about how people who are in couples who are doing things, quote unquote, the correct way, according to our society, have all of these privileges that single women, while we are thriving, just don't have. And my friend was like, I found a TikTok. I think I sent it to you. And it was all about how we've been conditioned to believe that we need to be in relationships, even though, and settle for mediocre, boring partners who don't actually want to be a partner and help with the load that is life. Because when we do that, it is easier to oppress us and as soon as women and i think we're living in an age where it's starting to happen and over on my side of the world we are getting some cultural societal government and even men that i know personally backlash for women looking and being all like i don't actually think i get any added value to my life by taking on a person who isn't ready to value me emotionally, mentally, and love me to a caliber that I am going to expect them to love me and also carry their own weight within our relationship. And the men around here are freaking out and it's happening in laws. We've recently overturned Roe v. Wade and I believe it is a direct effect of women just being all like, we don't have to have your babies in order to survive in this world. We don't have to, and we don't have to be married to you to survive in this world. We finally 
gotten to a point where we realize that we don't need you. And also you haven't done the work to become a value in a value in my life anymore. And consequences abound. The way that I see husbands talking to my friends, laws that are coming down the pike, media that's being produced. I mean, Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate have an entire platform built on who do these women think they are. And it's all because we've decided enough is enough. Yes, enough is enough now. And I'm happy that we're having this conversation today to normalize those stuff. And the more we talk about it, the more it's going to be out there. And I feel like the more we're going to give confidence to those women who are not able to get out of those relationships and everything. I feel like we need to have more conversation about that and show them that, hey, we're very happy. So you can do happy too as well. So Natalie, let's have a, a short break and we'll be right back and then we can continue. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. Okay, everyone. So stay here. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Neha and you're listening to the Bold Enough Podcast. Hey everyone, we are back with Natalie and I love the conversation we're having. We are touching sensitive topics but things that needs to be talked about, things that needs to be heard. So Natalie, I wanted to ask you what advice, what suggestions would you give to those women who are listening to us right now? They are in a relationship, in a situationship, this is a new word, where you yeah. know they don't feel the confidence to get out of it and be on their own because we've been there before, we know how it feels. And I just wanted to add something that it's probably not, I know we're talking to all the men that we've tolerated before, I just wanted to add it here that there are men as well who are in relationships where they are tolerating bad behaviors of women as well. So maybe that advice would be for both of them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we make sure to say at least once every few episodes that the patriarchy and misogyny is bad for us all because it creates such imbalance in our relationships that now that men and non-binary people, people of all sexualities and gender expressions and races have been put into a situation where they have missed out on something. One of the things that I think is most prevalent when it comes to how men are affected by the patriarchy and misogyny is this place where they're not actually allowed to express strong emotion unless that strong emotion is in fact anger because we've made anger a very masculine feeling while we've demonized other feelings for men. So it's bad for all of us. And that's why men are always invited to listen to all the men I've tolerated before and join the conversation. And some have, <laughs> and we have them on the show. But when it comes to advice, to anyone who may be sitting in a relationship where for the most part they're safe, 
but they know that it's not the relationship for them. Even with all of this work, I have fallen into relationships where I just go, it's just not very convenient for me to deal with a breakup yet. And I've said that out loud to people. I'm like, I'm dealing with A, B, and C. A breakup is the last thing that I also want to deal with. And I think that that's very valid. I think it's valid to find yourself in a relationship that you think isn't really the relationship that's going to be the end-all be-all for your life and just kind of float. But I would make sure that every day after you've floated through that relationship to kind of do a reflection and self-reflect, like, do I still feel safe? Do I still feel like I'm not being abused mentally, emotionally? physically, where is my safety in this relationship that I am just kind of burying myself through? And then it'll come to a natural end when you're ready for it to come to an end. When it comes to women who aren't safe to leave, whether it be financially, mentally, and emotionally, they're being manipulated to stay. Physically, they're being harmed. Those are such extreme situations that I believe, should I ever be in that situation, my freeze tendency would come up to where I'm just so shocked that I'm living through this, that I'm frozen. And I think it's really easy to tear ourselves down in those situations like, oh, I didn't try hard enough or, oh, I didn't, I should have seen this coming. The writing was on the walls or anything like that. And I hope that you extend yourself some grace and you realize that things aren't done all the time in a 24-hour span or with one decision. Life is a series of small decisions and small moments in time. So if you can do one thing a day that you know, like, this is what I did today to get myself out of a bad situation, maybe it's confiding in another woman in your life so you know that you have a safe place to go if you need to go to a safe place. Maybe it's Googling resources in your community. Maybe it's packing a bag in case you have to get away quickly and making sure you always have that bag stocked and packed. Whatever it is, whatever it needs to be, don't beat yourself up because you quote unquote didn't win the battle today and got yourself all the way out of it. Things happen when they need to happen. And I think one of the worst things that we can do is not offer ourselves grace and love and compassion when we are in these types of situations. Those are such valuable insights and advice. So thank you for this, Natalie. I'd just like to add that all your emotions and your feelings, they are all valid because it's what you're feeling in the moment so don't push them away don't run from them just feel it and accept it as a part of yourself and listen because your body your mind is always trying to tell you something and yes of course when you feel that it's ready then you take the step and do not hesitate to seek help actually Sometimes we feel like if we're going to share what we're feeling with others, it's going to make us feel more weak, more vulnerable and everything. But it's actually a very brave thing to go there and ask for help and just tell someone to listen to your story. You know, just to lighten up yourself. 
always try to seek help and then maybe the path will be clearer and you'll able to get out so natalie thank you for being a guest today it was wonderful having this conversation with you i love those types of conversation thank you also for creating your podcast to all the men that i've tolerated before sure a lot of people listening to this episode they're going to check it out <laughs> well thank you so much for the opportunity for me to come on to your show and connect with you one of my favorite parts of podcasting is the community and all of the things that we get to learn from one another. So I always appreciate being a guest in someone else's space and inviting people into the tolerator, into all the men I've tolerated before space and just getting all of our messages out that we can. Yes, I agree. And it was lovely collaborating with you. Thank you everyone who has listened to this episode. I hope everything that we've talked will help you to gain a little bit more of confidence. And don't forget to check out Natalie podcast as well. I'm sure it's going to help. So thanks Natalie again for today. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Bold Enough podcast hosted by Neha Ganu. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe and tune in weekly as we keep on breaking the barriers together. Don't forget to show your love on our Instagram account and our LinkedIn. And thank you for listening to us. <laughs>